I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Owl Pellets, welcome back. We have the full crew again, finally. Uh, <laughs> and she sounds so happy about say, it. <laughs> we probably ought to note who was gone so she understands why she's disappointed. It's like, darn, he found us again. I'm so happy to have the whole crew back together. Thank you. Is that I, better? I appreciate that. You're welcome. So we wanted to take a little bit deeper dive. We left off talking about types of learning. And one of the things that we really get into with types of learning, especially when we're looking at inferences, is how we use models and how models help us make inferences. They help us make sense of our world, but all models are going to yield some incorrect predictions when the circumstances don't fit. Now I know why I'm back. We're talking about models and I'm just the <laughs> model, you know, strike and oppose and all that good what? No, no, well, no. She just, she just got done saying that not all models yield correctness. Oh, okay. Incorrect model. <laughs> incorrect model. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Go ahead. So I think some of this is starting that conversation, just thinking about first and foremost, what do models do? And there are two parts to this. There's first, what do models do on the student side? How do we use models with our students to help them retrieve? and to retrieve facts and build something for what they're doing in the classroom to attach to. So we'll start there. What are models for when it comes to student learning? So, so for me, when I start thinking about this, that rewinds all the way back to that first uh, How People Learn uh, book that we unpacked previously. And we talked about knowledge being part of a framework. And so when we start thinking about um, mental models as well as the the physical models that we would see that, that we would certainly teach i think we got to help students through their learning process attach that factual knowledge to models and frameworks that they will help retrieve and mem remember uh what what's going on so that they can put it in their long-term memory and retrieve it when needed and use it through problem solving and what have you instead of just putting it in there as a memorized fact um, that is not connected to anything else. So being able to connect it to prior knowledge and being able to retrieve it um, as sort of a mind map uh, is certainly helpful and that's when we start thinking about models for students. Sure. And I always think about what we talk about models and using that to, to me the purpose is how do they actually make use of their knowledge and how do they make these inferences or predictions? Because as we said before, you're never going to have all the information you want or need to make a decision or solve a problem. You're going to have to make some inferential leaps. Mm -hmm. And and to me, in many cases, these models provide at least a little bit of uh, scaffolding when you have to make that predictive jump to do that. And I think that's if we can help teach people and by people, I mean both our students and our other teachers on how to utilize those models. And to me, that's the whole purpose of theory is to kind of help us along those lines. Yeah. I think just that encouraging discovery and exploration, like how do we make sense of the rules and the patterns and the principles that we see? Like, 
And I think sometimes we forget that ag is made up of all these different phenomenons and ideas and concepts. And it's not just go out and weld and burn rod and call it good. Like there's, there's a lot that underlies that, but I think sometimes we miss all the things that help students build up to that actual practice that they're engaging in that, that they're going to have to rely on in that practice. Like what, what are those pieces that we say, all right, here we go. These are, these are the rules and patterns and principles that are really going to make this skill and this practice make sense. Yeah. And so, so we're talking about models today, but I think even in our classrooms, sometimes this could also equate to systems. So if we're thinking about animal science, we can think about the digestive system, the circulatory system, um, various other systems. If we get into plants, we can think about photosynthesis and how xylem and phloem is moving through plants or trees and, and those things. And we can get into mechanics and we can think about the electrical system, the hydraulic system, other, other fluids, fuel systems. And so when we start thinking about those and we can help students somewhat compartmentalize these highly complex things, whether it's an engine or an animal or a plant, and we start looking at various systems, students can start to understand and think about um, and, and be able to start to utilize that knowledge base a little bit easier than, again, just memorizing facts. Yeah. Well, we talked about this before. I think part of this whole idea of understanding these models is making a decision what, what the real problem is. I mean, if, I, if I walk into a greenhouse and again, I see a bunch of plants are dead, there's a gazillion things that could have gone yes. wrong. Yes. But by, by organizing things That's into right. different models, it helps me sort of, okay, where do I start that has the most likelihood of me finding this answer? Yeah. If I walk out and the tractor won't start, what system do I start with to go into this most likely to get, because I don't want to waste time by, by you know, I'm going to start in the back of the tractor and work my way. No. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, do you, what information have you got? What observations do you have? What Put that into your model to say, I'm going to start with the battery. Or I'm going to start with the whatever. Yeah, think of a vet or a physician. I mean, mm -hmm. when you go to the vet with a, a an animal, they're going to start asking you a series of questions that are going to hone it down to what system they're talking about. They're going to forget everything else, mm -hmm. and then they're going to focus on trying to solve or help um, that animal based upon the system that they're identifying could be the the problem, and and forget about everything else. So. I think in that process, though, also going back to some of the things we talked about um, or some of the things we talked about in other podcasts with the scientific method and just the, the process of that problem solving. And yeah. so often we kind of we skip over pieces of that. And so not forgetting in our model like mm -hmm. that the, the brainstorming and the looking at the different solutions. So like so that we like, great, we're going to decide to start on the battery, but also remembering with our students to back them up, like there are things that we forget to articulate, I think in our model building and helping students build those models to say what leads us to the battery mm -hmm. <laughs> what could the problems be and why is then the battery the best place to start yeah making that whole thinking process explicit i mean we, we the, the the goal is to build almost a model as a cheat sheet but you have to explain how you got there you can't really use that model if you don't understand yes. what exactly you're talking about right. and that is so important in I know we're going to talk about teachers later, but it's the same thing when we're trying to train teachers. We, we, that is some of the best cooperative teachers. Those that work with student teachers are the ones that go through there and share with their student teacher. You saw what I did. 
here's why I did that. Here's, here's, and, and really be explicit about it rather than, well, I'm going to go train a team. So you're going to see my philosophy for, for FFA. Well, then we know what to look at, look for. Right. And so really kind of helping people understand and know how to build those models is, is really important as well. And really difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is so hard. I mean, I, that should be a common theme. <laughs> it's important and it's, it's difficult. important and it's hard. That is how people learn too. Okay. It's really important and it's really difficult. <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. So I hope Mike can get us on track again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think just thinking about all of the different ways in which we frame our understanding of the natural society and, and uh, use that in the classroom. And then also, I, I think it's a richness for checking for understanding, helping students learn. Um, you know, there, there's been certain instances where, you know, think about the diagrams or the models that we ask students to kind of fill in and write to check for their understanding and from a learning and assessment standpoint and helping them grow um, as individuals or one of the one of my favorite activities that I have um, for a, my foundations of ag ed course that I was teaching at the graduate level is day one before we even started class I asked students to develop a mind map or I called a concept map same thing of what ag education is to them before we started class and I could see that being applicable in a high school setting and then as well, because then we went through the entire semester and at the end, part of the final was revise your concept map based upon everything we've talked about mm -hmm. and helping people kind of connect and, and um, develop a, a map of where their thinking is and how they think what ag education is and how it's organized was a really enriching experience. Certainly when you think about the pre experience, they had something to compare to when they were done. And, and so I think, I think it is not only something that we use a lot um, to communicate, but I think it's a way that we can also help students organize information, assess that organization of thought and, and communicate that. Well, I think there's a big point there too, Mike, that you make is these models are not static. They're going to, they're going to change over time. As you get new experiences, you're going to go back and whether it's about how you're going to run your FFA chapter or teach a lesson or when you're out there and you look at this calf and the calf doesn't look just right and and what you're going to be you know, you're going to attack it a little bit differently over over your time of experience yeah. calf or the model well the model but <laughs> you, want, you, want, you want to attack the, attack calf. the calf and the model <laughs> attack the problem that the calf is having um and so I, I think that's that's the other thing to be thinking about it which is again one of the important and hard things about all this is it's not like you're going to say well here's the answer forever because you're it's always going to be be tweaking a little bit because you're going to you're going to find new ways to work with an officer team and you're going to say well well kids are different than they say, well are they really or are you just different are you a different ag teacher now than you were 10 years ago that's a great point yeah well i think that's a good a good transition to start talking a little bit about teaching and the careers and the models and you know we we don't have enough time today to all then and talk about <laughs> the venn diagram but uh, you know how, how you know that cert certainly serves as a model mm -hmm. and and certainly gets con conceptualized differently and i think as we talk to teachers even that goes to you know 
even early career, mid career, late career teachers, how do you conceptualize and how would how would you develop your mental map of incorporating classroom SAE and FFA into your program? And, and it does change from year to year and it changes with the types of students and what they're interested in. And so I think there is some richness in knowing that uh, it, it does evolve and does change. And, and also know that models aren't perfect and mm -hmm. we'll go back again. We're gonna we're gonna beat up on the three circle model a little bit, and and just as a, everyone knows, we there's <laughs> nobody in this conversation that does not like the classroom, does not like FSA, or does not like SE. But it's it's you know, but that depiction, which was created as a textbook illustration, rather than a model, but mm -hmm. it, it 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 is informative to talk about. There are three components, and it gives you a when you say the three circle model, that is the language we know what we're talking about. So it does serve that purpose. But we also know that learning and everything is so complex. And so these models can, can be so complex. It gets to a point where the model's no use to morph it. There's no, not of any use anymore if they get so complex. So we have to simplify these things a little bit to help us understand and make them useful. And I think that's where the, you, we go back, we talk about from expert to novice, where you're able to kind of draw that line to, to make a more complex model useful in identifying those key components which you really need that need to have it goes to the assessment piece that mike was talking about like model critique is healthy mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know we we don't discover alternative models when our situations change until we're up against them and go oh yeah i guess i guess yeah. that's that's it but i think that's also or, or, spiraling at this point but i think that's also valuable because if we're critiquing the models and we're having conversations about it that means that we're we're certainly transitioning along that line from novice to expert and you you gotta start trending towards that expert range if you're going to start having those conversations about whether the model is adequate or not or how it needs to be changed or adapted so i think there's some some really interesting things there well, I mean, and a model could be as much as, you know, I've spent a lot of my career talking about the integration or the illumination of science and agriculture. Mm -hmm. And you can take that model too far mm -hmm. where you can wake up one day and like, what am I doing? You know, my ag science class is no different than the biology class. And you're like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's probably a bad thing. There's only, there's only two of us running around. <laughs> um, because, you know, are we focusing on careers? And so you bounce back and forth between all the things to kind of keep that model of what should a school-based ag ed program be to, to really illuminate the science, but also have that career and technical and, and work workforce development piece in it as well. And I think on the teacher side, certainly the, the value in, um, in thinking a little bit about models is that it also helps us to understand the world in which we're working. And, you know, we, we talked, a model that we talk about novice mm -hmm. versus expert, but it also helping teachers understand where they're at in their career. So we talk about, you know, stages of career development. So early career, mid career, late career, another form of a model that helps us understand why we feel the way we do or, or the type of efficacy we may have in, in our career at that stage because of where we're at. And it's like, okay, it's not me, I'm not alone, <laughs> but this is the, I'm feeling the same sort of things that an early career teacher would feel and might help us get through some of those, those times that we're, we're trying to process and make sense of 
how we're feeling. Uh, with that, the where where Brian, you were talking about, you know, have students changed? Maybe not. Maybe it's just what we've been doing. But we think about models yielding incorrect predictions and circumstances that don't fit. You know, what was what were the thinking about when these three components were conceptualized for ag ed and what did ag ed look like and how many students like how many students were you doing farm visits farm projects for what did students have access to you know that if we're going to just say these were the thing like these were the things are those still the things sure you know yeah well, I think that's a great point is what what really is is part of a school based ag ed program now in the local area. And and I guess one one challenge I would have for all of our listeners out there and we're going to no way no one are going to do this, but <laughs> um, is to at least be thinking about what is the model that you use that guides you in leading your program. And, yeah. and if you say I don't have a model. I'm going to tell you, you got a model. You may not be able to articulate it. You may not be able to, do but there, there is some process that you use when you're figuring out and making a decision. Do I, do I teach this content or do I not teach this content? Do I do this FFA event or do I not do this FFA event? Do I, you know, when do I go to, when do I go to school? When do I leave? All the, all the kind of, and I think it'd be at least spend a few minutes thinking about it. What does that model look like? How do I, what, what key filters do I run that decision making mm -hmm. through? And I, I'd really love you just to you know scratch it on a piece of paper somewhere to look at it, and going, wow, is this really what I do? To think about it and have a conversation with others. And I don't. I think one thing we're gonna find there there is not a universal model for everybody, but it is something for you to be be intentional about the decisions and how you make decisions regarding your program. I think that makes a tricky thing, though, when we talk about ag ed and not having that universe when we are so community focused, when it is so locally driven, yeah. that's hard when you're locally driven isn't the same as the ag teacher, a district over. What's one of the, it's one of those times where one of the best features of what I, I would argue is one of our best features of our program is also one of the most challenging aspects Absolutely. of our program. <laughs> I mean, it would be really easy. That's why there are not these huge textbook companies selling ag ed textbooks like, this, like there is in science and math, mm -hmm. because one plus one is 11, no matter what part of the world you're in. <laughs> so a math book is a math book. Um, but, you know, you can't be, it is, see, one here, one here, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's yep, 11. Yep. Um, but, that you know, visual looks really good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good visual, visual is really good on the audio podcast, yes. But you don't see that. You don't have these widespread active there are a few out there and, and i'm not i'm not dissing their quality at all but talking to people who have really that's a real challenge mm -hmm. because how are you going to write a textbook to talk about agriculture that is in california is in iowa is in you know nebraska is in florida is in maine all these different things and so what they end up having to do is build on those things that are the lowest common denominator if you use math terms here but it's like the the science the every you know Photosynthesis is a plant and basic nutrition is for animals. But to get to that specific thing about what is it like to raise crops mm -hmm. in Nebraska or to raise strawberries in Florida or, you know, any of the various truck crops we've got, that's not going to happen in a textbook. Right. So the ag teacher has to figure out how they're going to be building that kind of stuff up, which I think is cool. It's, 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 it is it's cool. why we do what we do, but it's hard. And I think, <laughs> and, and certainly before we wrap up, I yeah. think one of the 
one of the things I thought you were going to say earlier, Brian, when you challenged the ag teachers about that model, your challenge was kind of around developing a model because we know that their decision-making process is based around some of those models and some of those thoughts. I would also argue that um, the, their ability to communicate what their program is oh, yeah. and building a model mm -hmm. that you can share with a superintendent or a building administrator or a CD, CTE director and saying, this is curricular wise, extracurricular, intracurricular wise, however you want to design that. But here is what my program is and that's that's really a model that you can communicate and share more broadly with um, and the community and any external stakeholders and maybe even prospective students or in a in the curriculum uh, handbook and manual that they get so well and, and i'm i'm smirking here again at a great visual for an audio podcast <laughs> because a callback how much how many of these podcasts have we done when we talk about you know, the expectations that teachers put on themselves. But if you have this model and this way to articulate, this is this is how we're going to make decisions. This is what's going to be important to us. Use that to go back and evaluate what you're actually doing. That's right. And you're going, I say that that doing X is really, really important. It's what I'm going to focus on. And, and if it doesn't do this, I'm not doing it. And they're like, why am I doing these seven different events over here that don't connect back to this? Either my model needs to be changed to, to, to do that, or I need to kind of do things out. And that's going to help us and help you not only promote your program, but have that conversation with an administrator, with a parent, with a supporter to say, yeah, there is this great tiddlywink CDE that's out there. And boy, it would be great. How but, many times have you won that? Yeah, I know it. But it does not fit in what we're trying to get accomplished over here. And because it's just, we'll just say it, it is physically impossible for any ag teacher to do everything that is offered by the FFA. Yeah, I, I just oh, yeah. yeah, physically and, impossible. And, and, I, and I don't think and if you and if we would call up our friends there at National FFA right now, I don't think any of them would say the expectation or they were designed with the idea that one teacher, one program would do all of them. Yeah. It's, it's that smorgasbord approach. But mm -hmm. I think that's why this, we're going to go back to our topic on models is so important in making decisions on who we are, what we're doing, and communicate that with them. So yeah. well, I think this has been another great conversation. And um, I think so we, too. If we might pat ourselves on the back <laughs> a minute here. <laughs> I think we've left it with more questions than we have answers. Yes. And if one of my goals in life as a as an educator is to cause thought, mm -hmm. I hope uh, we have a lot of listeners out there scratching their head thinking about. Uh, modeling and what the what the value of that is and and certainly remembering and thinking that you know modeling is certainly an opportunity for us to kind of visualize and think and try to make sense of the world and I think that's where our conversation really kind of landed today was how, how can we use those to help make sense of what we do and make our classrooms better and, and help us understand our programs a little bit better so I'm looking forward to seeing all of the, the models and the conversation that's going to uh, um, land on uh, our Facebook page as a result of this conversation today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian, here by the Owl Pellets. 
saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Fellas Tips for Ag Teachers.